we have our first official, well, it's actually an unofficial, but it will be official as of March, whenever the NFL season opens. But we have our first trade, our big first big name trade. Some some guy may have gotten signed off the street or whatever, but we have our first big trade of the 2019 NFL season. And with that, I welcome you to the 306th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you. And well, if you can't develop quarterbacks, you might as well go out and buy one is basically what's happened here. And the news out of Denver today being reported by Adam, I used to call him Adam Sphincter, but it's now Adam Schefter from uh, ESPN. I'm, he's a Michigan grad, so him and Tariko. Tariko just lives there. But uh, anyway, Schefter is reporting that the Denver Broncos, when it, and we don't know who they're trading him for. We don't know. And, and maybe Chris does. Yeah, there has been okay. an update. It's for a fourth round pick. Ooh, fourth round pick, and they're picking up his salary. How many more years? But anyway, um, if you don't know, Joe Flacco, as soon as the new year starts in the NFL, which is right around, I think it's March the 8th this year for some reason in my head, but I could be wrong. Um, Joe Flacco will be traded to the Denver Broncos. And as Chris has just reported for a fourth round draft pick, what they will do with Case Keenum is they will waive him. And it's just whatever is best. The Broncos will carry what I read somewhere around 10 million bucks of dead cap money on their salary cap with the releasing of Case Keenum. But you can't keep Case Keenum when you have Joe Flacco on the squad. And again, I kind of feel I kind of feel weird for Case Keenum. One, he finally gets that first opportunity as the guy, but he's a career backup. You are what you are. They've tried Ryan Fitzpatrick to be a quarterback in the NFL many times over, and he's a better backup. Some guys are just better at it. Some guys are Brett Hundley at it, but some guys are just better. So we have our first trade, which will become official the first day of the 2019 NFL season. A lot of news and notes in the National Football League. The new, uh, in the National Hockey League, the Anaheim Mighty Ducks did what a lot of people thought probably should have happened weeks ago, maybe. But they finally relieved Randy Carlisle with his uh, official title as head coach of the Anaheim Ducks after a seven amid a 17-game losing streak. Uh, we can talk about that for sure. NBA All-Star Weekend, Team Giannis versus Team LeBron. Certainly can talk about that. Tiger Woods, very motivated as he tees it up at his golf tournament this weekend. And it's funny, the Genesis Open is now going to, I just read this today actually, is going under what they call an elevated status among PGA Tour stops. And what that means is like Bay Hill, because of his association, that tournament's association with Arnold Palmer, and the Memorial Tournament, which is in Dublin, Ohio, outside Columbus, Ohio, in tribute to Jack Nicklaus, elevated status means it's an invitational only, not an open field. There'll be an invitation. You have to be invited to the Genesis Open starting next year based on a lot of things, obviously. World ranking would be first. But then the purse goes up and you get more FedEx points as an elevated status. So Tiger is going to have an elevated status on the PGA Tour in regard to them recognizing him as the host of the Genesis Open in L.A. College basketball, you tired of as I am of the Duke Blue Devils? I sure am. So we've got a lot of things to talk about, but I, 
as I bring in the executive producer to talk a little bit and find out what's going on in his mind from the wonderful and wacky world of sports or wherever else he wants to share with us. One news bit that did bother me a little bit this week, and I'll start this edition with it. Um, Kareem Hunt has been signed by the Cleveland Browns, and I believe that anybody in this world and everybody in this world deserves a second chance. My problem with this signing is that um, I think there wasn't enough time. Uh, I know that there's an age difference between when Kareem Hunt, uh, you know, did his nasties versus when the guy that used to play, Ray Rice, did his. I, I understand that. Age factor is huge in regard to a running back. But this comes down to morals and standards, folks. It has nothing to do with the, the ability to run, catch, throw, punt a football. Kareem Hunt can do all that stuff. But I think there needed to be some time before he was allowed to. Now, he's still in suspension. I understand that from the National Football League. But I believe that there should have been some time where he should have been left out in limbo and complete the, I believe, required counseling that he needs to undertake for his actions. And it wasn't only just striking a woman. And I think there were more incidences about that, but there was also a big bar fight in Dallas. The guy's got anger issues. And I think that that should have been looked at a little bit more intensely by Jane Goodell, Goodell's husband's league. It's an image league. I know the NFL kicks everybody's ass in, in television ratings and money and everything and yada, 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 yada. But we are still in a very conscious driven world these days and there's a lot of people out there that aren't football fans that are ticked off that this guy is back on an NFL roster this soon and I would have to agree with that at this time well the thing is by the time he gets to play because he has a minimum six week suspension coming up here he's on the commissioner's exempt list that's what I meant the contempt I, I understand yeah that. sure yeah by the time he plays this story will be that much older again and the news cycle changes so fast now and I'm not making excuses or anything here, but this is uh, part of the problem here is that as everyone gets offended over everything, you can't say anything wrong, you can't do anything wrong. Even And then the problem is people do things that are way less serious than this and they get in maximum amount of trouble and they're treated like a pariah. So then when somebody actually does something bad, you're desensitized to it and everything else is already worse than Hitler. So then, well, now this is too. Everything's worse than Hitler. Everything that's ever happens now that's bad or that someone doesn't like. So that's what happens. You're going to get this happening. Cleveland Brown simply jumped out ahead of it and made sure they got the rights, not only for this year, which of course they want to maybe get a few games and hopefully they're trying to win a division and maybe get in the playoffs here. But also they get first crack at him as a restricted free agent the following year Frankly, it's a smart business move. They have nothing to lose here. One year, one million type thing. John Dorsey was the GM in Kansas City when they drafted Kareem Hunt, and he is very familiar with him. They did their due diligence, released a detailed, lengthy statement about all the stuff that's going on there. In fairness, if we have to be honest here, I mean, Kareem Hunt, again, uh, I, he should have called the police, not gone and uh, attacked a woman, but uh, I think I can see how he might have been angry after some crazy person is banging on his door, calling him the N-word for half an hour straight. I can see how that might be somewhat annoying. But uh, yeah, he definitely should have called the cops there, not gone and uh, kicked anybody for the sure. But uh, I can't fault the Cleveland Browns here. They released a big statement. They appear to have done their due diligence, and they're getting out ahead of it. And by the time anything 
of real significance happens, this might be forgotten in the news cycle like everything else eventually does. I hope it doesn't because uh, this guy is, in a lot of people's eyes, I believe this to be true, is that he's getting preferential treatment. And I'm just delivering the news here, folks. I, I'm just sh sharing an opinion with a lot of mostly white conservative NFL fans in NFL cities that have obviously a, an axe to grind with the uh, still to this day with the anthem issue, especially involving African-American players. And this guy is in the lives of a lot of people, folks. Call me what you will, but I'm telling the truth. A lot of people will look at this, that this young man has has been given some preferential treatment because he can, again, run, catch, throw, kick, whatever, a football, and he does it very, very well. It's a good move, and Chris is a 1,000% right. It's a good business move by the Cleveland Browns, but I believe that there's going to be some backlash on this from certain groups that have nothing better to do than to bitch about things. There's a lot of that in America and around the world these days. So I hope this doesn't get forgotten. I hope that Kareem Hunt gets what he needs in regard to rehabilitation, but I believe... While I think it is a wise business move, I believe there's going to be a lot of backlash towards the Cleveland Browns and their organization. And it would have been the same for anybody, folks. I'm not just pointing at the Cleveland Browns because, you know, and they had an inside track. Chris nailed it right on the head in regard to John Dorsey was the GM in Kansas City when they drafted Kareem Hunt. So there was a natural connectivity there. Bottom line for the Browns, good business deal. And if he gets through all this gauntlet of trouble that he's in, he could be a hell of an addition to their football team. What I'd like to know, as a member of an opposing team, and this is purely selfish on my part, but you've got three running backs now, potentially in Cleveland. I'd like to see, if I'm the Green Bay Packers, and I have a connection to the Cleveland Browns, being Green Bay East, I'd like to see if Dorsey would like to swing a trade for the kid from Georgia or Johnson. I can't remember. Duke, I believe, is his name. I'd, on a purely selfish, if we're going to... if we're going to accept that Kareem Hunt is going to be on the Browns, and there's really not much we can do about it, but bitch and fight and, and talk about it. But for a purely selfish thing, let's see if one of the Browns' two other fine running backs are available via trade. It's funny that you bring that up, because that's the first thing I thought of when this signing happened was, if I am, and I often default to the Packers because I hang out with Mike so much here, but... The first thing I thought when they signed him, because this wasn't the destination people were expecting right. Kareem Hunt to go to. It was Chicago, I thought. Well, sure. Well, you could make a case for a lot of places, I think, really. Who needs a running back, a dynamic threat like that. But the first thing I thought was, if I'm some team that needs a running back at all, especially, I don't know, maybe the best and certainly the most underrated third down pass catching back in the entire NFL, that's, that is Duke Johnson Jr. And I would be making calls right away throw a seventh round pick out there like it's candy and just uh, and just see what happens here because he has been severely underutilized with the current coaching regime and they got rid of Carlos Hyde because Nick Chubb looked so good and I don't think they're letting Nick Chubb go anywhere. He is a franchise running back for them and Kareem Hunt's story has so many potential pitfalls here. You can't commit to Kareem Hunt at this point. We don't know how the story is going to play out with him and his personal life but Duke Johnson, even besides all this, was completely underutilized and it made no sense and and it's unforgivable. And that guy practically has really redefined the third down, or maybe even defined originally, the third down pass catching back. He led the league in running back receptions, I believe, a couple years ago.
years ago, and he is just spectacular and so, so, so underutilized. He was literally going to the media last year and saying, like, please give me the ball. Like, I'm getting, you know, one or two touches and no passes some games. It's ridiculous. He's underutilized, and someone's going to get a steal when they pick up Duke Johnson because at this point, you've got to think that he might be expendable. Okay. Um, episode number 306. 306. Yes. Saskatchewan yes. area code. Saskatchewan area code. Well, again, I'm I'm remembering my guy that doesn't like when I do that little reintroduction thing. So, <laughs> and I'll remind you again to go fuck yourself. Um, National Hockey League. Now, correct me if I'm wrong if I say this, but so far this year in the National Hockey League, I think it's been pretty close to a record. Um, and just what are we? A couple of weeks past now the trade deadline in the National Hockey League. We've had a coach fired in Los Angeles, Chicago, Edmonton, St. Louis. Um, can't even read my own writing here. Uh, hold Anna, on. Anaheim, hold on. Anaheim, yeah, and Philly. Can't think of anybody else. Anybody else that you can think of? Not off the top of my head, but we predicted this on Unscripted. No, I know that, but we Randy Carlisle this. makes it one, two, three, four, five, number six so far this year in the National Hockey League. Is he was, I think he was almost probably relieved to get fired after this 17-game, amid a 17-game losing streak. Um, seven game. 17. Is it seven or 17? No, seven. Oh, I made it worse than it was. Okay. <laughs> seven. But they have struggled and underachieved all year. Um, and here's a guy that's won a cup in, uh, in Anaheim. In Anaheim. Um, had a tough little little run in Toronto. Everybody as a coach has a tough little run in Toronto. I think uh, Paul Maurice is a very good hockey coach, and he's done very, oh, very well in Winnipeg. Amazing. And uh, but he was treated like shit in Toronto, in my opinion. And I love Paul and Maurice. I, sorry, but I love Maurice as well because he did a really nice job and won a cup down in Carolina. He did win a cup in Carolina. No, that was Laviolette. Shit, that was close. I know he coached down there. Uh, but anyway, he's been he's a fine hockey he coach, is great, and has done a wonderful job in Winnipeg. And uh, and he unfortunately, I think, uh, got railroaded by the GTA media there, but. Well, Randy Carl, everybody does there. Randy Carlisle, uh, almost a mercy killing. I mean, it was time. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. There is going to be a lot. If you have a hockey coach, like a Quenville, and we've talked about this before, but you're a Quenville or you're a guy that has Todd, McCle- Todd McClellan's a damn good hockey coach too. Um, there are going to be a lot of opportunities for coaches this offseason, and there's going to be an amount of, a lot of, a lot of change in this offseason, and I don't think the number is going to end up with six. I think there are going to be a few more before the season's over. Absolutely. Well, to go with your three points there, first of all, Paul Maurice is probably the smartest coach in the NHL. Amazing on TSN when he was an analyst yeah. for a while. Yeah. You, if you, I watch, he is the only guy besides whoever the Oiler head coach is at any given time uh, where I actually will seek out his post-game press conferences just to watch. He is, because he takes his time, he's so thoughtful, he considers everything, he's very serious, yeah. very cerebral, and he just gives you an extremely detailed answer. It must be a treat to be Winnipeg media right now because he's always so respectful to the media, but serious, gets down to it, and gives you so much to work with. I mean, the media must just love him there. I mean, he's so, so great. I mean, the only thing that they might want more is if he was more sort of gregarious and was all, you know, fun and glad handing and stuff. But no, he's a very serious guy, but just a just a brilliant guy and just a great guy. Nothing bad to say about Paul Maurice. But Randy Carlisle, I can't stand Randy Carlisle. He seems like a creepy guy I don't even want to be in the same room with. Like something about that dude is just like, hey, just 
like I don't want to be within 50 feet of him, you know, like something about him just kind of makes my skin crawl. But at the same time, I have to admit, you're right, he was within one game of 500 and was fired. I mean, he was, it didn't even make any sense. I mean, yeah, I guess if you can't stand him, but then why did you hire him? You have to do your due diligence more than that. So that's ridiculous. But thirdly, the main thing you were bringing up there originally was, of course, we predicted this a year ago on Unscripted when we saw how well the Vegas Golden Knights were doing. We said, what's going to happen? All the ownership, management, whatever, they're all going to get really, really impatient. And not just in hockey, but in other sports. But they're going to get really impatient when it comes to success. Because when all of a sudden the Vegas Golden Knights don't exist and then they're in the Stanley Cup final in their first year, everyone else is thinking, wait, do we need to do three and four and five year rebuilds or 10 year rebuilds or go 30 years without a playoff appearance or whatever teams are going through? Why do we need to do this? Because uh, the Vegas didn't need to have any of those excuses. So why don't we win now? And you're going to get billionaire owners who are impatient and say, win now. I'm tired of this shit. And they're just going to start firing. And that's what we said. And it's all coming true. Six already and more to come for sure. And there could be a lot more too. Because with the standings right now, if you look, there's only a few points between the playoffs and last in the league. I mean, it's the parody that the NHL has wanted is here and the other leagues got to be envious of that because every team is relevant la was the worst team in the league they went on a bit of a winning streak all of a sudden they're not uh you know mathematically eliminated from the playoffs so it's unbelievable what's going on here but as we see a lot of teams that have a lot of hope right now not make the playoffs in the end we could see a ton more firings and this story is just getting started Thank you, sir, for covering me there for a minute. I do wanted to make sure that I wasn't totally going bananas. Um, Chris is right as usual. Seven consecutive de- defeats, but the bottom line here for Randy Carlisle is the team has lost 19 of their last 21. So oh, okay. Yeah, that, I knew it was, yeah, something like that. That I mean, I don't think for seven games they'd fire somebody, but 19 out of 21, hell yeah, they're going to fire somebody. Yeah, and it was funny because... And I thought of you when I heard this the other day because I was listening to my buddy Greasy Boy, uh, Brian Burke, on uh, <laughs> my God, do you see his hair? It's just terrible. I well, mean, you I know, know he's greased it before, but it looks like somebody shaved the side of his head, like he got scalped on the reserve or something. It just looks terrible. Even on hockey night the other day, it looked terrible. I, I like to pretend that he, uh, you know, hit his head and he thinks he's uh, Pat Riley's great grandfather. <laughs> now, somebody at Sportsnet. Still pissed at Sportsnet about the treatment of Bob Neal, but I'll get over that someday. Bob Cole. Bob Cole, I mean. Bob Neal. Where the Harry hell Neal and Bob Cole. Yeah, but team. no, Bob Neal uh, was an NBA oh, yeah, announcer in the States. Before. Yeah, yeah right, I've done yeah, that right. in the before. Yeah. Uh, I'm not too bright. But anyway, somebody at Sportsnet must have told Burke, at least when you're on the air, you have to tie your tie. Yeah. Because his tie has been tied yeah. every time. <laughs> and I'm so weird that I've been watching just to make sure that Greasy Boy has tied his tie. Greasy Boy. Uh, well, you know what the thing is? Forever, he but, had the thickest hair ever. And right. then it must have started to thin slightly or something. So now he does that to cover it up. But yeah, because his hair was so if thick If you forever. get a chance on Saturday and you see him on his segment of Hockey Night in Canada during one of the intermissions, um, Mr. Cherry obviously has the first intermission, but I think Greasy Boy's in the second or third or second or, or after, after the game. But it looks like somebody has just scalped this side. It looks so funny. I laugh at it every time. But what I was thinking about you about is that the name that Greasy Boy brought up the other day was, what's the guy? Hot wife used to coach Edmonton. Dallas Eakins. Oh, Dallas Eakins. Yeah. Eakins. Yeah. They're talking about him. Who is? Well, Burke was the other night of him being the replacement in Anaheim. 
He's coaching their uh, San their, Diego goals. Right. And they think that next year he could be the leading candidate to come up the coast and coach the Anaheim Ducks. That would be just great because they're in our division. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be just great. I, I saw something about him in the news because I think he's been doing well with San Diego. But, you know, Dallas Akins is an interesting story because in theory, like on paper, I totally get why they hired him. And like on, I can see him being a really cerebral interview. And like, and they were really impressed with his interview. Uh, of course, this is Lowen McTavish and the old gang. So, you know, not boys that, on the bus. Yeah. Not that hard to impress them or anything in the boardroom. But at the same time, Dallas Akins is interesting. Like, you know, Dallas Akins did that thing where he was embedded like a journalist in Baghdad, except he was with Jason Garrett's staff in uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Did you ever hear about that? No. I didn't so know. when, when Akins was coaching the Oilers still, he called up Jason Garrett of the Cowboys and asked if I, hey, can I come down there for a few days and just just hang out and see what you guys do? Because Aiken said, you know, like I have three assistants. He has 30 assistants, yeah, yeah. you know, so if he can do that, then I want to learn from him. And so he went down there and yeah, said he learned a lot and it was really cool. So, I mean, Aiken's is a, is a, an interesting guy. He's he's a, even when he was on the ice, he's a very serious guy. Like, do you ever see the famous highlight where Timu Solani, when he's really young with playing for the original Jets. The Jets, yeah. And, and he does that, he had that celebration where he 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 tosses his glove up and he shoots yes, the glove. Yes. Dallas Akins is the guy that comes tries, out goes yeah. to catch the glove there. And and you even there you can see like he's just a serious guy. He's just kind of serious all the time, and that's just what he's like. And I think he's thoughtful and I think he has potential, but it just didn't work with him in Edmonton at all. And I think a lot of his stuff was still sort of uh trying out stuff but he, he should have been yeah. a minor league coach at the time he should have really worked his way worked, up a yeah. lot more and uh that and so it was just too much of a rush so who knows in fairness if i'm thinking about it now maybe it is possible that he could have learned a lot down there and maybe he is going through a natural progression and he is learning because he did show a capacity for that to me i'm just so used to thinking when he was the coach of the oilers the last i don't know how many months or year that he was there or whatever all I read every single day on any Oilers site was fire Dallas Akins, fire Dallas Akins. Let's make a top 10 list. What are the 10 things the Oilers <laughs> need to do? Number one was always fire Dallas Akins. <laughs> every time. Like it was everyone just like nobody could stand him and he wasn't ready yeah. in fairness. And he shouldn't have been. He was rushed in there. And that was silly. And, you know, for all the coaching changes that the Oilers have made, the two guys who never really got a chance... Yeah, that you know, you could be really uh, regretting this right now if you're the Oilers management because right, the, right before Aikens, they had uh, the great Ralph Kruger, who right. you know has you know is coaching soccer now. The yeah. guy is a yeah. brilliant. He almost coached that team Europe to, to over right. Canada. He got into the finals. Like the dude's the real deal, and he never got a chance. He coached. He was a great assistant. Everyone loved him. He was there for a bit, and then they got rid of him just so that they could you know McTavish could bring in his guy, Dallas Aikens. And then, of course, uh, Todd Nelson, who was uh, the great coach. Uh, you know, he was just fantastic. And they got rid of him so that they could bring in McClellan, which I, I understand. But maybe, hey, Ralph Kruger and Todd Nelson both were getting good results other guys. And I would have been interested to see what would have happened if either of them have gotten a real chance to be a head coach because uh, it wouldn't have been any worse than whatever's happened the last few years in Edmonton. Before we get out of here on episode number 306 of Unscripted with Mike and Chris, um, this is always tough for me to do, but I guess it's apropos. Um, congratulations to old turkey tits. If you don't remember, Phil Mickelson is what I commonly refer to as turkey tits, and he won his 44th uh, PGA Tour career, career number 44 victory over the weekend 
out in uh, Carmel, California, out there at uh, Monterey Bay. I uh, won the, used to be the Bing Crosby Invitational for years. And it used to draw one of the best fields ever. It, it always did. Back when ben, Bing Crosby started this in the 50s and all this, all the big movie stars, golf stars, everybody. But Phil Mickelson wins it for the fifth time. And uh, my boy, Mr. Woods, um, has come out. And, of course, as I said in the open of this uh, episode of the program, is that Tiger will be made, uh, and uh, he is the the host of the LA, what they used to call the LA Open. It's now under the name of Genesis Open as the title sponsor. But Tiger, is uh, he opens his season. He opened it a couple of weeks ago in San Diego, did make the cut, but didn't play really that very well. He makes his second start of the year this weekend in L.A., and he came out at his press conference on Wednesday and said he is, I quote, very motivated to uh, play well after what he's seen Mickelson do. And people forget Mickelson has already won twice this year and ended up second in Palm Springs in an earlier uh, tournament in this early 2019 PGA golf season. So um, I kind of laughed when Phil Mickelson said after he won in Mexico last year to make it his 42nd career victory, he says, I'm going to get to 50. Well, last year he was 47 years old and that, you know, I'm not a math major as we all know, but that's still seven wins and nobody, nobody this side of maybe having a last name of Nicholas or Woods or Hogan back in the day won seven tournaments in a season. So it was going to be difficult, but I don't know. People probably think now that because he's won twice and had a second in Palm Springs and he's at 44, people are probably re-engaging themselves. Mickelson fans, not guys like me, but Mickelson fans are believing that old turkey tits could see 50 career victories. I, when he said he'd see 50, I just thought, oh, man, yeah, he's uh, being pretty optimistic, thinking he's going to live for another two and a half years with that, <laughs> with that physique. We'll see if he sees 50, I guess, but... I thought I thought it was funny because when I heard there was a story out there about Tiger being bested one of his, by one of his peers, I was thinking that it was that PK Subban's dating his ex-wife, and uh, <laughs> which I found out the day yes, after we recorded. Yes. Yeah, and then our buddy yeah. Ryan posted Thank that you, on Ryan. our Patreon yeah. page. Yeah, yeah, and I thought that was that was funny. So anyway, good for everybody. I thought it was involved. funny where Greg says. Uh, then I should be the next whatever or I should be dating or I should be Lindsey Vaughn. And I thought it was funny when Ryan says you're probably the wrong color, you know, um, <laughs> she definitely has a certain type. Are, is, do two people make a pattern? Oh, there have been previous ones. Oh, African-American okay. guys that mm. she's gone out with. Okay. So uh, obviously the latest two are the two more famous ones, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, she's got a style. Yeah, she's That's got cool. a she's got a preference. That's cool. Yeah, no question. Greg's out of it. I'm out of it. You're out of it. So That's okay because my type, my, the like the last thing that I like is is skinny blondes. Right. So she's the furthest thing from my right. type. So that's great. Understood. Um we've got to run on this uh 306th episode of Unscripted. We thank all of you for joining us and hope that you continue to do so. A lot of things to talk about to finish out this week and we'll get after it in uh subsequent episodes this week of unscripted we thank you again for joining us however that you join us whether it's on one of our nine whatever our nine different social media avenues we hope that you enjoy us at least on one of them having said all that for the executive producer of unscripted mr chris fluke i'm mike jansen until next time